why are you interested in etiquette? Are you trying to learn that to impress someone else? Or are you doing that for your own self and for your own, for your own growth? Once you understand and you know what you want, and you know what kind of person you want, and you have the image of that person that you want to become, it is very easy to become it. So easy. Welcome to Ideas on Trial. I'm your host, Leopold Ajami, and I have with me my co-host, Ricardo Pinto. In today's episode, we are putting the idea of etiquette on trial. Is etiquette simply a mask or is it just formality or there's something really substantial behind why we need it? And today we have a very special guest to explore all these questions. Welcome to the show, Samira Hamadi. Thank you, Leopold. So just a quick introduction. Samira is a etiquette consultant. She's a trainer, a life coach, an LSA pilot, and the author of children and teenagers books about kindness and etiquette and much more. Wow. (laughs) So we're so happy to have you, Samira. The first thing I want to start with, just to give an idea for our audience, Like, what is etiquette? And uh, is there any difference between etiquette and manners? Etiquette actually is a set of rules and a kind of code of conduct. Now, the word etiquette itself is a French word, and it simply means pag. Uh, It was a word used by the the king of France, Louis XIV, Louis XIV, and um, who used to love his castle, the Versailles. And, and he used to have a lot of people in his, in his castle. So for him to preserve the beauty of the gardens and the beauty of his beautiful castle, he had to put some tags in each and every place, asking his court to not walk on the, gar- on the flowers, to not go to that particular area of the, of the castle. And this is how etiquette came. So the word itself, it sounds so sophisticated. It's a beautiful story. I I didn't know that. And is there a difference between that and manners? No, because etiquette is actually manners and principles. It's the combination of both. So principles, the principles of etiquette are respect, consideration, and honesty. And and manners are the technicality. So basically the way, for example, you eat in Lebanon and the way they eat in the Western countries. So uh, the manners are more related to the culture. Okay. And we can change them. They change from a country to another, from uh, a period of time to another one, while principles are timeless. Like when we speak about respect, consideration, and honesty, we hope to see that towards all our lives, because this is what makes us better humans and better people. Very interesting because from its inception, it seems that the idea of etiquette is aristocratic. And that's the perception I bet that most people have when they think about etiquette. Uh, When Leopold 
shared the idea of the episode with me, I told him, oh, that's very interesting. I haven't thought about it. And my perception of etiquette is that it's mostly pretentious. It's not necessarily that I believe that, but that's uh, how I see other people practicing etiquette that is purely formalistic, that is purely following the rule, that is purely keeping yourself, keeping your manners on track. But I guess my question, what I find interesting about your work is that you unequivocally ground etiquette on principle, right? Even though you establish this difference. So what I wanted to ask you is, how do you think, or why do you think that we need to formulate something other than an abstract moral principle, like respect, like honesty. Why do we need manners for a specific countries, for specific places and situations? Well, I would start by what you just said before that, Ricardo, when you said it's uh, etiquette is mainly aristocratic or maybe like for the kings and queens. Do not take, Louis XIV was, was very controlling. Mm -hmm. let, 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 it's very important to, to talk about history. Uh, Louis XIV was extremely controlling, and, this, and he used etiquette basically to control his crowd. He wanted them to eat in a certain way. He wanted them to respect him in a certain way. He wanted them to assist to when he goes to bed and when he wakes up. And he wanted to be, and that's how he was called, the, 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 the sun king. Like everybody was looking at him as the sun. He was the, the golden miracle, which we give him a lot of respect on that. However, time have changed and we do not look at yeah. it that way anymore, or hopefully. You said as well that it is kind of superficial, if, the, if I understood you. Yeah, that and I, some people take it that way. Yes, and I will agree with that. Yes, some people do take it superficially. Some people do judge other people on the way they eat, but them judging judging it like very superficially does not take away from the reality of etiquette. Etiquette is respect, consideration, and honesty. Teachers who teach etiquette maybe wouldn't speak about that. You would go to an etiquette class and the first thing they will teach you is, oh, this is how you walk and this is how you sit and this is how you talk. Yeah. And it actually devalue the proper word of etiquette because instead of me, impressing my crowd on how I eat and how I speak. How about I look at myself? We teach etiquette on we should respect others. We should be honest with others. We should be considerate of others. But what we should really be teaching is before me thinking of respecting another human being, do I know what respect means? Do I respect myself enough? Do I understand how to respect myself? Do I understand, am I considerate of my own thoughts and feelings and emotions? Am I honest of who I really am? When we understand that, then we can project it to the outer world. And once we learn that, it truly doesn't matter which fork you use. Very clarifying, because that's, I think, the perception I and many others have about etiquette, that it's about what you show outwards, what's socially accepted. And the way you put it makes it seem that it's first about, it's first about yourself, yes. but crucially about whether you have 
understood and internalized these principles of human relationship that we need, but we need not to be liked by everyone else, not to get their approval, but to, because we actually have some value and some mistakes to gain by living in a society. Can I answer you, Ricardo, bluntly? Sure, sure, of course. <laughs> the moment you care about others and how they perceive you, it is the moment you have lost your power. Absolutely. Think about yeah. it. It is great to understand the rules, to know how to play the game for yourself, to evolve as a human being. I mean, I love etiquette and I love teaching it, but I always ask my students, let it be anybody, a CEO or a teenager. I would always ask them the same question. Why are you interested in etiquette? Are you trying to learn that to impress someone else? Or are you doing that for your own self and for your own, for your own growth? If you are doing that for your own growth, let's have a nice coffee and a nice conversation and let us speak about mindset. I would love to have this conversation with you. But if you're doing that to impress somebody else, you don't need to. You don't need to impress anybody. Yeah. Samira, you just elevated the discussion to another level. So thank you, thank you, thank you for that. And the reason why I'm saying this is because when, and, and I agree with Ricardo, when we think of etiquette, the perception, which I agree with you, it's, it's, it should be individual and not social, but the perception is that I have to learn how to eat with a fork, for example. I personally was struggling with this because it is valid from one perspective, like it's good to behave in a society, specifically in a civilized society. And if I go back to history, that's how we, we developed, right, from being savages to becoming uh, civilized. So that's an important element of it. I mean, the, just the, the etiquette are not a key function of it, but they're one, one element of it. But what you said now took it to another level, which is a philosophical level. And that's what we, we love to do here, because you're saying that the primary focus should be on you. Absolutely. Right. And as a, as a consequence, you're going to better your relationship with other people. Am I right? Absolutely. I mean, and correct me, if you, if you have a different point of view, I would love to hear it. Oh, no, actually, that's the exact point of view we have. But we don't hear this often in the culture. And, and I can say uh, on behalf of Ricardo as well, that that's one of the fight we're trying to, to put out there, that the, the key focus should be on you first, and then you project it out there. Because we look at everything from an ego point of view. We look at everything as, uh, as I want to be better than you. I want to show the world that I am, that I do matter. I want to show the world that I am in that particular status. And from my point of view, again, it is such a waste of life. Yeah. <laughs> That's, this is how I see it, because we don't need to prove anything. The moment we start to mm -hmm. show the world, like this is, look at me, I'm driving this car. This is how I eat, this is how I dress. It is the moment that we lose it. We don't need it. So let me ask you this then. If, if etiquette is primarily about ourselves, does that apply to morality, to respect, to honesty, integrity, to the good? Is that something that is firstly individual or do you see it as a, a social construct? Hmm. I look at it from a first point of view as individual. Okay. 
why do I look at it as individual? So say I am someone who wants to learn about the art of etiquette. Let's pretend that I am someone who wants to learn from the art about the art of etiquette. So what does it mean exactly? I want to become a better person on learning a new skill. Now, if I want to learn like uh, a new skill, what does it say about me? It says that I'm someone who is looking to grow. I am somebody who is looking to, to become maybe a better friend, you know, to become a better mother, a better wife, a better sister, a better citizen of society, because I have neighbors and I want to be respectful. I want to show respect to these neighbors. What does it say? Don't you think that they are like, they are like linked to each other? They are. But what I'm trying to reach at is there's no one in history who disagrees that they're linked to each other. Usually the argument is what's the primary focused, uh, focus, sorry. So is it, is morality is something related to society primarily? or you do it because you need it as a human being. So I'll give you an example. Do you need the concept of honesty in your life individually, or the concept of honesty is simply don't lie to other people? So that's the kind of question, which, what, what is it primarily? Okay, if you remember, like when we started the conversation, I said, we teach honesty, that we need to be honest with other, but we first need to be honest with ourselves. So I do think it's individual because I need to be honest to myself. I am, I am spending all my life with me and I want to be honest with myself. So before me thinking to be honest with Leopold today, I first need to be honest with myself. What do I think about Leopold? Do I like Leopold? Is he a nice person? Do I like, uh, does he fit what I'm looking for in my life, for example? Is he a good fit work-wise? So honesty and consideration and respect that I spoke about earlier should be, should always start individually. The intention should be towards yourself, then towards the world. What I find curious about that is that they are usually not taught that way. Honesty, consideration, respect, but rather as commandments, duties. You should share your toys with your uh, fellow children. You should do your homework. You should not lie to your parents. You should not, you should not. So I wonder, what do you think of this idea of duty? If it plays any role of it, if it is rather an obstacle to the proper learning and understanding of etiquette. I agree with what you said. We all grew up the same way. You should share your toys, you should do this and you should do that. And yes, they were taught to us rather with a stick than understanding. It is true. And this is where I come from, like where I come. I want to change this idea. I want to change the idea of, oh, you have to eat with your, you have to eat with the left or the right. I want to change it because that is not important. Now, when you say it's a duty, what, what is duty? What do you mean by duty? Like, is it uh, a duty towards society? Is this what you mean, Ricardo? No, uh, yes, in part, but I mean more fundamentally a rule whether in ethics, in etiquette, in manners generally, that you should follow just because that is the accepted rule? Absolutely not. You shouldn't. You shouldn't follow. We shouldn't. 
as, 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 as human beings, we shouldn't follow any rules without questioning, without asking ourselves. The times are changing. We uh, are not anymore in a position where we just follow rules without understanding why. And that is why your academy is here to start with. We used to follow what the leader, for example, of a tribe would say, and we just follow blindly, not knowing what are the intention of that particular person. We shouldn't anymore. We should ask ourselves, are these rules in, are adequate with what my lifestyle is? Are they aligned with my principles? And this is how we change as well, and how we are changing that as well. We are doing it by raising children, being more aware of that. So for example, you were talking about sharing toys when it's a completely different subject. We shouldn't ask children to share their toys. Thank you. What does it mean? Thank you. <laughs> Why, what does it mean to me if you ask, if I ask my daughter to share her toy? It means that my daughter's need is less important than the other person who wants the toy. Yeah, absolutely. You know, which reminds me, a couple of days ago, my daughter, she came from school confused. She has this uh, toy uh, monkey that she adores, right? And she came to me and she, she's three years old. And she's like, Daddy, I don't want to share my monkey with anyone. I can share other toys, but this is my monkey. And I was like, of course, you know, you, you don't have to share. Because in my dictionary, there's no such thing as sharing is caring. That's duty. In my dictionary, sharing is choosing. It's a, it's a choice. You choose, right? Because it implies sharing what and to whom. It's, it is a choice. Leo. It is a it choice. Is and you look at it, and then when we grow up with this mentality of sharing is caring, when we grow up, we become dormant. Um, oh, yeah. Excuse my word. I, you have a beautiful car. I like your car. Oh, Leopold, you have a beautiful car. You know what? Let's lend me your car. I'll take your car for a ride. Would you give me your car? No, no. you wouldn't. So why would you ask a little child to do that? We explain to them, you know what? Play with the toy. Whenever you are done with that toy, you can give it to your friend if you want to. But we cannot force them to share. It is not healthy. So let me get this straight. And I think I'm, I'm getting a better idea about what you do. I mean, we met, uh, what, like more than two years ago. But in my mind, uh, when I thought about etiquette, and I knew you and someone else who speaks about etiquette, and in my mind, I'm afraid of that subject because I'm, you know, I like being, I like etiquette and all that, but I'm not too much into it. Right? I, I like to, I, I like to have this kind of free, free kind of living. I don't know how to put it, but I, I, I don't want to be blocked with some rules. Constrained, right? Constrained, yeah. But I want, I remember when I had a chat with you, you had a completely different perspective, which, which helped me a lot. And now listening to you, what I love is that you took the whole concept of etiquette to much more fundamental things. And I love that you're saying it's not about the fork. Well, the fork is important sometimes. In some setting, you have to know which fork to use, uh, which, by the way, I keep calling my wife and she tells me what to do when I'm in a, in a big situation, like in a, <laughs> uh, in a ballroom or something. But the idea is what you're doing is you're going back to the core. Right. And you're helping whether teenagers or business uh, people just think about these ideas, like what it means to be um, respectful and to have honesty and all of that. And then 
if you want to apply them in, in, in a practical manner, well, here are some guidance. Am I putting it in, in its proper form? Absolutely. All right. I have a question that Ricardo and I were struggling with. And the question is, can someone be moral but have bad manners? Well, what do you call by bad manners? What is bad manners in a country for you might not be for that particular person? Let's choose, let's choose one that is a bit universal. Let's say someone curses all the time. Hmm. Right? Because we were talking yesterday, Ricardo and I, and we said like some behavior, for example, in Japan are completely normal. But if you do it in the Middle East, like, no, that's a big insult. Right? But, but I, I want to think about something a bit universal. If I speak and I keep on using swear words and, and insults and stuff like that, can I still be moral, a moral person, a good person and have bad manners as such? My God, absolutely yes. But does that, it, this has nothing to do with who you are deep inside. I don't know, we're grappling with the idea. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It has nothing to do with who you truly are. You cursing, for example, you were speaking about cursing, you cursing will not prohibit you from being kind to others, from helping others, from being honest. Mm. Yeah. It has nothing to do. So yeah, one example I had in mind and, and Ricardo, I wanted to share your example as well. But one example I had in mind is Iron Man. And I kept thinking yeah. like, I, he's one of my heroes. I love Iron Man. But he's someone who can be easily considered to have bad manners, right? But for me, he's completely moral. He's actually more moral than most heroes, even if they are fictional, and most people I know, because he's, he's purposeful and he, you know, everything he's doing is directed towards the good. So, so that kind of thing, I was, I was trying to find the picture, like, is, is Iron Man a good person, but does he have manners? And if he doesn't have good manners, does it make him a bad person? So that's no. kind of an example. No. No, it doesn't make him a bad person. And if we do think that that make him a bad person, we have, we do not know how to judge. I see a lot of videos and, you know, the way, I will, I will give you an example. I see a lot of videos of fellow colleagues making videos on how to use this and how to use the fork. Yeah. And it's a big no if you do not know how to do it. And I don't agree. I don't agree. Um, I've seen some of these videos, like how to hold the cup or the glass, and there's a special way for the tea. And I, I personally cannot live this way, right? It's too much for me. For me, in my mind, there's things that are more important than that. But absolutely. the way you're putting it makes me want to learn about etiquette. Because now it's not a set of rules. It's like some guidance that I can use in specific situations. You can use them for informal Dining, for example, yeah. it doesn't mean that if you are home, you have to hold it that way. And no, just be yourself. Yeah. Be yourself and just be who you truly are, inside and outside. Be a kind human being. Uh, be civil. Help, you know, you see somebody in distress, go and help them. Be honest with others, but be honest with yourself first. Be considerate of your neighbors and your friends and colleagues and be kind and be kind all the time. And that's the most important. Don't choose to be kind today and tomorrow you're not a kind person. Yeah. Kindness yeah. is all the time. So if as a trainer, you teach ethics, basically honesty and respect and all of these are ethics. 
then why do we need etiquette? Why is it under the umbrella of etiquette? Hmm. I never thought about it. Thank you for the question. I think I think they're linked, you know, because etiquette is manners and principles. And yes, principles are ethics. But then where would you teach ethics? If I may say like a personal yes. story. Yes. Um, growing up, for example, I grew up in Algeria and no one ever told me what ethics are. You know, as Ricardo said, there were rules that we yeah. just had to follow blindly. And if we asked why, we wouldn't even have an answer, a proper answer, just because so, or aib. Yeah. Another word yeah. for it, you know, an Arabic word. And it did took me many years to understand why. Why don't we teach that to our children? Why don't we teach them from a very young age what ethics are? instead of waiting for schools maybe to speak about it. And even when schools teach ethics, they teach them as, again, set of rules, not discussed. Absolutely, absolutely. And if you want to teach your children ethics or etiquette, it has to be fun. It needs to be fun. It needs to be interesting and intriguing. Mm. So etiquette is the means so you can teach ethics. It is. Ethics plus manners. Mm. One cannot go without the other. Okay. Because as we discussed earlier, manners, they, like, they differ from a country to another. So what is, for example, etiquette in Japan or manners in Japan is completely different than the, Middle East, than the Middle East and completely different than, than for example, the States. Would yeah. you agree with me with that, on that statement? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it doesn't make each and every one wrong. All right. Yeah. Yeah, it's when a very it's subjective thing. It, it is very cultural. In, in some ways, and that was another question Ricardo and I were grappling with, in some ways, manners seem to us as very subjective. It's up to you and your personality. It's up to the culture you live in. You know, like one of the examples we we're talking about is the act of bowing, right? Like I used to work for a Japanese company, advertising a long time ago. And, you know, that was part of their culture and it never annoyed me. I felt being respected and I wanted to do it in return. I di it didn't annoy me to do it. But if you ask me to do it in, in terms of duty for someone that I have to do it just because I have to do it, I won't do it. Right. So, so, and I think that's, that's very important. The distinction between duty and choice. I want to do it because I like it. It's respectful. I want to be part of it. But in other contexts, no, it's, it's an insult to me. I will not bow for anyone. And that's how I would think about it. It makes sense. Do you agree? I agree with you. I would agree with you, but isn't life a choice? Like we choose. Yeah. You choose how you want to live your life. You choose yeah. where is the intention coming from? Is it coming from respect or is it coming from disrespect? Do I want to, I would bow to a Japanese person because it's their culture and I, and I want to show them my respect. But then if it comes from a disrespect, then it's a different story. Yeah. But it is, it, everything is a choice. Yeah. Okay. So... I have this question. I'm fascinated with the teenager life. I had a crazy, <laughs> I was a crazy teenager and I was always a rebel. 
and I was always asking questions and challenging the norm, whether it came from my mom, my dad, my teachers, the priest. And I think that's it. It's not a universal experience, but a common experience for teenagers that they don't want to take the roof at face value, right? And I would add something to that, which is every happy ending went rogue. Every success story separated itself from the norm. I, I was discussing with Leopold the idea of Cinderella. She couldn't keep herself still. She couldn't, she didn't know her place and she didn't want to. She went to the party uninvited and she was the most gracious and successful woman there. So I guess my question is more practical in the sense of what do you think a person in this situation, a person who is having trouble accepting the rule, especially a teenager, can do to challenge it while being respectful at the same time? like your question. And lucky for you, I have many teenager students. <laughs> <laughs> and I think teenagers challenge rules, not because they want to challenge the rules, it's because they want to understand. Because they just, they are moving from childhood to teenagehood, they are building their personalities, they are in the making of their characters. So when someone comes and tell them something or tell them at face, face value, as you said it, they want to understand it. They want to know why. Why do I have to do that? And why do I have to go that way? And why do I have to dress this way? Give me an explanation. Now, in my time, again, parents didn't have the time. Everybody was in a survival mode. Everybody wanted to work and reach end needs, you know, reach the month. So they didn't have the time to take, they didn't have the time to take the time to explain to the children. And maybe they didn't even have the answers because during that time, their minds were not set into questioning. Their minds were set into surviving. Yeah. So when teenagers, when yourself, Ricardo, were a teenager and you were being rebellious, you were not trying to burn the house. You were just trying to find answers to fit your norms, to understand why. If you did have an answer that was satisfying your curiosity, you wouldn't have gone wild. You would have understood and go ahead with it. So what can we do for, for teenagers to, it was a question to follow like the rules and- To challenge them respectfully. Challenge them respectfully. I think once there's communication, once there is an understanding on what to follow and what to follow and what to do and what to do, there won't be any challenge once we understand why. So I'm just going to give you an example. A child wants to be a musician and the father wants him to be a doctor. An example. Yeah. Will there be challenges in the house? Yes, absolutely. Because the child has feels like he, want, he, is, he was born to do something and the dad want to project his own dreams on that particular child. Of course, there will be friction. And the best way to solve that is to, for both of the parent and the child to understand each other and the teenager to understand each other and why, and from where each other is coming from and to meet in the middle. 
Yeah. yeah, that's great. I'm thinking that perhaps part of the problem generally is that even when I ask you the, te the question, we're always thinking about following the rule, abiding by the rule. But perhaps a better, even if it's a minor linguistic thing, but a better way of thinking about it is how can I apply this principle? Yes. Because then it's not about avoiding something, not doing something, sticking by that core norm, but trying to understand, trying to grapple with the issue and trying to solve the real life problems that you have in front of you. Absolutely. So perhaps that could be the way of approaching it. And part of what you said is so true that kind of a vicious cycle, a vicious cultural cycle in which we are in, because it's not that parents are necessarily strict or that they are bad people, but they don't know and they don't know the way. So it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of courage, I would say, to keep that teenager why alive, right? And to try to use it respectfully, try to think about it as you go about in life. I think, if I may, I, I may say something, Leopold, I'm really Please. sorry. I think as parents, and I'm a parent, we should stop thinking as uh, children, as our belongings, you know, that they belong to us and then we decide for their life. But rather, like rather as, um, they come through us and we are just showing them the way, guiding them to become their own individuals and human beings. And I think one of the way to do that is to, as parents, show respect to our children. You know, not just set rules and this is how you, you follow it, you're good, you don't follow it, you're bad, a bad person. And this is something that I truly dislike is uh, if you do that, you will get this. And if you don't do it, you will be, you will have that. This is such a wrong way. I look at it as a wrong way because we must give the child, we must teach the children that they have a choice. That, and the consequences is not a reward or a punishment. The consequence is a completely different lifestyle. If you do this, yes. For um, an example is um, if you don't help your sister, you will not have this earth. But if you do have your sister, I'll give you dessert. What we are teaching them is uh, to do choices based on scarcity or rewards. And it shouldn't be that way. They should be, they should took their, they should make their own choices. And you're, and you're breathing a kind of a social cynicism in people because whether you put it as a punishment or as a reward, the message you're sending is that the only reason you want to deal with people is because you can gain a short-term value out of them. Absolutely. But I guess it takes more effort to see the rewards of leading a successful social life. Uh, and it takes more explanation, of course. How about we don't look at rewards? How about we do something because we want to do something? How about I help you, Ricardo, because I want to help you? I don't want to have any reward. But you will. If it happens, it happens. But if it doesn't happen, I can do something just because of my good oh. intention. 
I, I want to challenge that a little bit. So I absolutely agree with you and I'm a father and I'm very conscious about, you know, my child's education. And I agree with the concept of reward and punishment that it shouldn't be there, not in the superficial level. So for example, if you, I don't know, finish your, your studies, I'm going to give you a dessert. That's a superficial level of looking at uh, punishment and reward, right? But I think the concept of rewards and punishment is much more fundamental. And I'll give you an example. I want to teach my child that every, because you said it, the, the, the formula is if then there's a causality. If you do that, there are consequences. Well, the consequences are either quote unquote punishment, negative consequences or positive consequences, rewards. Now the rewards can take different forms. It can be intellectual, you'll have more understanding. It can be uh, financial, you'll make more money. It can be spiritual, you'll know yourself, you'll make better friends, you'll make better choices with other people. So there's so many different kinds of rewards that I think we ignore. And these are the fundamental rewards. So it's not about the dessert, it's about what kind of life you want to lead. And the same thing for punishment. But it's very interesting because if we look at um, not children, adults, yes. if we look at adults and I would say, okay, Leopold needs my help yeah. on something. I would like to come and help you without thinking about the consequences. I would like to be the kind of individual yeah. who would want to be there for you without does it give you joy if you help me if you help me with something does it give you joy wouldn't give you joy i think if i have to help you with something i believe yes it wouldn't give me joy i wouldn't feel like uh, proud of myself but i would feel satisfaction that i have done something and that's your reward that's a spiritual reward that's what i'm saying right so so you are here today with us right I feel a great uh, uh, sense of satisfaction and happiness because you are here with us. Okay. And that's a reward. It's, it's a word for me and hopefully for you. And why is it a reward? Because it's a spiritual reward. So it doesn't have to be a material reward. And I think that's, I mean, it's, it's something to, to contemplate on, but I think that's very interesting because it also directs our initial discussion on manners and morals. Because why do I want to to learn uh, how to behave in a formal situation? Well, there is a reward, right? So the reward is internal, but it, it's also external. There is some kind of reward. And I think these are important points that we must address, but not alone. And that's why I love what you're doing. And you asked me a very powerful question that, you know, just went quickly. I want to stress it again. You asked... Where should we teach ethics, right? Like if I'm not doing, if I'm not talking about etiquette or if we are not talking about uh, philosophy or if some other people are not talking about the sports, right? And they're not combining sports with ethics or business with Where can we teach it? They don't teach at school ethics. No. And the worst part, and that's where I want your opinion. Uh, the worst part is that it's not enough for a, for a teenager or even another to ask why, like, why do I, why do I need honesty? 
well, you can come and tell me, well, honesty is good. You know, like everyone agrees that honesty is good. Yeah, but why it's good? Do you have a method to show me why honesty is good? That's education. That's ethics, properly speaking. Uh, and I want to hear your, your opinion here. Because parents, like you were saying, it's not that they don't know about honesty. They don't have a method to teach us how to think about honesty. Make and, sense? Yes. And sometimes children do not listen to parents. Oh, yeah. Something important. Oh, That's yeah. why we always have, they always need to have maybe a cousin or an aunt, someone else to speak on the behalf of the parents. Because we would listen, the teenagers would listen to the third party. My method, for example, when I have teenagers, I always ask them the same question. Where do you see yourself in 10 years? You would be finishing your university. What do you want to do? And the teenager would say, oh, I want to be a doctor. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Very nice. Let's write it out. You want to be a doctor. But what kind of person you want to be? What kind of doctor you want to be? I want to be a surgeon and I want to do this and I want to live in Spain and I want to do that. That's fantastic. Now, what kind of person do you want? Do you see yourself in 10 years? What do you mean? I mean, like, how do you see yourself? What characters do you see yourself having? Are you nice to the nurses? Are you a good husband? Are you a great father? What, what, how do you want, how do you see yourself in 10 years? And they start thinking about it. Oh, I want to, yeah, you know what? Yeah, I want to be nice. I want to do that. I want to be kind. I want to be helpful. I want to have a beautiful house. And what this helps them to do is to imagine how they, what they can be yeah. and, to and to understand that they can be anything and they can build any character they want to. Yeah. You want to be ethical? Then, okay. Let's start. Let's talk about ethic. You want to be an honest doctor. Okay, let's talk about honesty. You want to help others. You want to go to Africa and build hospitals. This is amazing. What do you think you will need to reach that? Because once you understand and you know what you want, and you want and you know what kind of person you want, and you have the image of that person that you want to become, it is very easy to become it. So easy. Is it easy? Well, it is easy if they have someone like you teaching them, but usually it's very hard because it requires a lot of, you know, a lot of mentoring, I would say, a lot of direction and guidance, which we, most of us didn't have when we were teenagers. We didn't have when we were teenagers, you are right, but we all deep down knew how we wanted to be. Mm. You knew what yeah. you wanted to have. You knew that you liked philosophy. You knew that uh, you wanted to challenge the world, that you wanted to be a better person. When you saw something on the street, you didn't turn your face and look around and pretended like you didn't see it. You were there, you were concentrated. Even if you couldn't help, you smiled. Yeah. Like you, you, you know, like even with your facial expression, you did it. So we all know. Well, the only difference is uh, we look at, and as well, this is what I teach them. I, Tell them, okay, now I want you to think of the, the best person on this that you think is walking on this earth, who it is. And of course, obviously, it's uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. And it's, you know, they gave me like names of stars. And I asked them, what, what do you think Cristiano Ronaldo has differently than you? And what do they say? I'm interested to know, usually, like, what's the common? Oh, he's a great football player and he's that and he's that and he's rich. Yes, but he was born poor. 
and he didn't become a football player by dreaming about it. He worked hard for it. Are you working hard to become a doctor? Are you opening your books? Are you doing that? Oh, no. Then how? If you don't do the work now, today, in 10 years, nothing will change. Yeah. If I, if I can give an analogy, most people look at Cristiano Ronaldo and see a fit man, uh, a powerful man, a rich man, but they don't see the root cause, which is the commitment and the mentality that he has. And that's exactly what you're doing. Most people look at manners and etiquette and they see a fork and someone who walks properly, but they don't see the root cause, which is the ethics that you're trying to inject. Right? Uh, yes, absolutely. And speaking of Ronaldo, I don't know why we are speaking about him, but uh, the only difference between him and all the teenagers is the mindset. Yeah. That's the only difference. Yeah, absolutely. There's no luck in there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ricardo, any last uh, observation? Not really. Just to add something to this last point is that that is a very purpose of ethics and of etiquette, I would add, in that we have this preconceived, very concrete idea of how we want to look like, like Ronaldo, like, I don't know, Britney Spears. <laughs> I don't know what people like this. I like Britney Spears. <laughs> but we don't do anything by following their biography. We don't do anything by following their particular ups and downs. And what it takes a lot of challenge, a lot of understanding, and a lot of self-reflection is to see the principle that moves them, if any. And there, there is a lot of abstract work you need to do to do that. But the reward, and I think there is a reward for all ethics and all etiquette, the reward is life, a fulfilled, happy, robust life without any contradictions and that you can be proud about. It is very beautiful what you said. It is very beautiful. And I agree with you because you need to have a balanced life and you need to, when you finish your days and you look back on how you lived your life, you, you, you would want to look back with a smile and pride. Absolutely. Samira, that was awesome. It's very, it was a meditative session. I love that. Any last word? How can our audience reach out to you, where they can find you? So uh, we're going to put a couple of things in the show note, your links and all that, but just tell us a little bit more about your upcoming project. Well, <laughs> well, they can find me on Instagram at Samira Hamadi, and then I'm also on Facebook on my website, www.themoderneticketacademy.com. And yes, and my books are available on Amazon. They're available as well on, on my website. Do you do uh, any online training? Because a lot of, of our audience are from the US. We actually do only online training now. Okay. Everything is online. We still didn't uh, do any physical training since the pandemic started. And uh, which is great because it, we have this one-on-one -on -one conversation and it's nice, you know, because you get to know your student, you try to understand them, you help them better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. 
Thank you again. That was awesome. And we look forward to see you again, hopefully soon on, on a Thank different you. subject. Thank you so much.